Hi, everyone, and welcome to Television. It's the podcast, an audio companion to the Television's website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Television. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle, and apparently my other new co-host, Hammersmith, who has just decided if mom is podcasting, we're in the closet with her, and he is above me. Everyone cross your fingers that he stays there. No, he stayed there last time. He did. He was really good last week. So maybe he's just maybe he just wants to be a podcast co-host cat. I don't know. So so how are you today? Other than having a cat above your head? I mean, having a cat above my head is not the worst. It's not the worst thing. Like like many people in our age cohort, I expect I am counting the moments until I can go back to playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> If anybody wants to talk about that, uh, you all know our email address and my Twitter handles. I would like to see your weird uh, constructions involving car oaks and and all the building things from the game. <laughs> it's eaten my brain. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. Um, what are we talking you're not about? A ga- you're not a gamer, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not, like- really, I'm not really a gamer. I'm like the wussy. I play Final Fantasy and Legend of Zelda and Super Mario, and that's it. But Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is like my Super Bowl. I loved Animal Crossing, but that's because Animal Crossing doesn't actually require you to do anything other than relax. And that's the kind of game. I know. I like. It's very soothing. I, it did get me through like the first year of the pandemic. I'm afraid to reopen my Animal Crossing house because it's going to be like full of roaches. Ooh. Literally, right. they do that. Yeah, I know. It's... Anyway, <laughs> as you can tell, as you can tell, I am um, talking about other things to avoid talking about a show I don't really, I didn't really like that much. But other people did like it. And one of those people is here and we are going to talk about tom jones with uh janet mulaney who is our recapper on it this season hi janet hi thanks for inviting me on yeah i really like tom jones and i was sort of surprised well i really like tom jones too but you mm-hmm. know I, I i have a thing for like 1960s pop i'm like it is a thing that went in my eyeballs hooray <laughs> Sorry, I have been I have been making Tom Jones jokes about Tom Jones being in Tom Jones basically since I found out we were having a masterpiece Tom Jones. You do. One of the things I did learn in the course of reading about about this adaptation and sort of adaptations of Tom Jones, it's not really adapted that often, but there is a and I swear I'm not making this up, a musical of Tom Jones, the book featuring the music of tom jones the singer no <laughs> yes there is actually it's a jukebox musical and it, it really hurts my brain and i can't i can't <laughs> oh, that is really funny <laughs> yes i know the the idea of tom jones singing it's not unusual is uh i mean it's also not wrong given his characterization <laughs> but <gasps> uh, anyway, um, so- just a little, just a little FYI as we dive into this, guys. This is the show where its lead guy like uh, uh, has a lot of relations with different people. So if you are sort of averse to that sort of content, maybe skip this one. It's not um, graphic or anything. I mean, it's masterpiece, but he is—he's really into meaningless sex. <laughs> yeah. So if, if that's not your bag, this isn't your episode. Yeah, I uh. I, I, I think of it as that he's kind of a he's kind of a, a himbo and he keeps wandering yeah. around and, and, and tripping and falling first into women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was he kind is, of he is really just um, I don't know if any of you you probably don't because you have taste uh, <laughs> watched a reality series entitled F-Boy Island. <laughs> um, he is 
basically an F-Boy Island contestant. I guess PBS isn't carrying that one. <laughs> no. Uh, no. F-Boy Island is actually moving to the CW uh, to, um, to tell you what kind of programming will be on the CW next year. But And there's also going to be an F-Girl Island just for the heck of it. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I, I will say that I'm, you know, parody about that. Mm-hmm. Girls can be himbos, too. <laughs> No, I think I, I think I define Tom Jones as being a cross between a frat boy and a golden retriever. <laughs> I think you did it in one of your recaps, and I laughed. Yes, I did. Yes, um, because I mean he's sort of sweet, but he has no concept of much. Um, and <laughs> he's also an idiot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but himbo. you know he's. I mean, which I guess is like that's kind of like the himbo brand. Yes. But- um anyway so janet as as our recapper okay so uh lacy never finished the book i was forced to read the book in school and i hated it because i was not into a a a himbo wandering around falling first into women i I think i think just for a little bit of of perspective of how rare it is for me to not finish a book because i'm very much a book completionist i'm i need to get like right about dnfing things but i don't i finish things that Mm -hmm. are bad and tom jones is a massive massive book it's like over a thousand pages it's mm-hmm. humongous and it is one of the two books i never finished in college the other being tristram shandy which is just like trying to read something a drunk person wrote but at least that's weird this is just incredibly dull so I never finished it. And that, when we get to talking at the end of the show, I sent Annie a flurry of very worried texts about various plot points because I'd never finished the book and I didn't know <laughs> if it was going to happen or not. So, yeah. Well, I finished the book, but I can't really remember much about it. But uh, By the way, mm. I love Tristram Shandy. Tristram Shandy is very Did funny. Did you? Yes. It's so weird. It, it, like, for those of you who don't weird. know, it's just it, random, like, pages are just black yes. for no reason. Like, yes. it's so weird. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I did read Tom Jones, and I didn't like it much. I mean, it's very ponderous. It's, um, I mean, so it has a very simple storyline, but um, it just goes on and on and on. And then Fielding will do a bit of author intrusion and start um, rewriting, writing very simple scenes as though they're scenes from, from. Um, from the Iliad or something. And, you know, because he was showing off to his audience. I mean, you know, the the other gentleman. Um, however, I think Jane Austen read Tom Jones. We're fairly sure it was in her father's library. So think about that for a moment. Um, <laughs> that would actually explain a few things. Yes. Um, because uh, mostly how angry she is about, like, the way boys just wander around falling first into women. Um, anyway, I, uh... Yes, whoops, there I go again. I'm sitting here being like, every time you, every time you say that phrase, I'm like, is Mark gonna bleep that out? I don't know. He might... Mark, uh, Mark is gonna have a very hard job with this show if he decides to do that. Mark has three so far. (laughs) Um, all right. So, anyway, point being, so, this is not a... I was really surprised how few times this book has been adapted, considering that it is basically considered historically the first novel ever written. Like, it's the first fictional novel ever written. It it sort of... And immediately thereafter, the first editor was invented. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, I wish. Uh, so they basically, like, 
I just sort of assumed that people did it more because of its historical value. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered that there's really only two others, there's the 1960 movie that everybody's seen, mm -hmm. or, and then there's the 1990s uh, TV version. That's it. Mm -hmm. like, that's it. And now this. Um, I... I was really surprised, and I wonder if that's because even though it is the first novel, and it is kind of like a simple love story, something that you mm -hmm. could usually get behind, I wonder if it's really that people don't like it that much. I don't think anybody it's, reads yeah. it now. It's just mm. sort of, no. it's just sort of out of fashion um, for mm. for many many reasons. Um, <laughs> and I mean, clearly, um, the team who put this together decided to go light and frothy and romantic and they did mm -hmm. and it was absolutely gorgeous to look at i mean it's filmed in ireland where they mm -hmm. have all these ancient houses and open countryside and it was just so pretty to look at and you know i, I, mean, I would absolutely agree with yeah. that yes mm -hmm. yeah and tom is pretty too and, well everyone's pretty Everyone is very pretty in the show. It's true. They all have perfect teeth. Possibly not Squire Weston. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the fact that they, that they, um, I mean, this drove a lot of people nuts, um, that um, it got woke, <clears throat> unquote, because Sophie. Sophia. Yes, Sophia. I know. I, every time somebody called her Sophia, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, because she was black. She was the daughter of a slave. And um, that that's that was that was so interesting. I loved that they did that. I actually wish they'd done yes. more with that. Yes. Like, yes. I wish if they were going to do it, they would do yeah. it rather yeah. than have like a couple of throwaway lines about it. I like because that was interesting. Yeah. The the trouble was that, I mean, the whole thing about Tom Jones was that he was illegitimate. And even if he had money, he would have still been illegitimate. And Sophia was illegitimate too. Sophia, whatever. Um, Sophie, let's go with that. Yeah, all right. Apparently, it didn't really matter because once she was married off to an appropriate guy, then she would sort of be absorbed into his culture and the stain would be cleaned up, I suppose. But um, um, but I, I did like the fact that you had that very quick view of Black London with mm. the pub and then mm -hmm. Honor marries or is going to marry the guy who runs the pub because yes. that was great. I wish there was more of that too. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was a great moment. She walked in there, and he and uh, he said to her sister, "You look lost," and she thought well, she was, you mm -hmm. know, until that point. Um, and having to deal with this, um, with this rather daft girl as her employer too. But uh, I mean, I I just really enjoyed it. I thought Hannah Waddingham was just extraordinary as. A man-eater. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And she got great outfits. Yeah. I guess we should, like, re for those of you who also never finished the story of Tom Jones, we should probably, like, recap what happens real mm -hmm. quick. It's really, like, not that complicated. No, it, it really isn't. Um, So it is about um a foundling called Tom Jones who um, is found in the bed of Squire Allworthy as a newborn baby, and the Squire takes a liking to him, and he grows up with the Squire and the Squire's sister. And then he falls in love with the neighbor's granddaughter, Sophia Weston, and she is an heiress. She has pots of money coming to her. But um, 
Tom is out of the running because he is illegitimate and he has no money. That's something that sort of bothered me. I'll talk about it a bit later. And then Tom is banished. Um, and he uh, he is set, he goes off to London to seek his fortune because, of course, everybody goes to London to seek his fortune. And this probably isn't the story of the book, which I really don't remember, but, but Sophia also goes to London. And on the way, Tom sort of drops into bed with a few women and ends up in the clutches of Lady Belliston, who is this powerful, rich, predatory woman. And uh, let's see, it doesn't really get any better. He ends up in jail. He discovers, he thinks, his mother and finds that he had an affair with her. Oops, sorry. <laughs> and then there's this massive getting together where Fielding gets all the characters who have appeared so far and they start pleading Tom Jones's case and it finds there was a magistrate who was corrupt and and so he is released and Sophia and he get married and everybody lives happily ever after. That's basically the story, more or less. And there are a whole bunch of side characters, even in this production, which I'm sure they cut out dozens of tiny characters because it is the sort of book where if somebody goes into a pub or something, they meet someone and they sit down and they have a conversation and they tell stories to each other. So it's a very rambling, very leisurely sort of book and naturally had to be tightened up for television. I honestly thought they could have done this in three episodes and it might have been better. Mm -hmm. It did seem to slow down a bit in the middle, didn't it? It did slow mm -hmm. down, but I actually didn't mind that. I thought four was about the right length. I think if they tried to make it any longer, it would not have worked. Um, what I found to be kind of irritating about this, and it was the first thing that struck me when I watched the first two episodes back in January, is the, the frenetic kind of energy that everyone brought to their movements and to the characters and to the scenes. Almost like the show desperately needed you to say, I'm a comedy. Look at me comedying. And that for me, I, I get that there was sort of a, that there's a bit of an artifice to it and that I'm supposed to that that I just felt like it was screaming at me. And I disliked that a lot. I felt that as the show went on, especially in the final episode, that freneticness kind of calmed down, I guess. Um, I mean, there's still moments of it, like when Tom arrives to basically propose marriage and everybody falls into the room behind him, mm -hmm. like those kinds of moments. But honestly, like, I, I, I almost felt like the show was afraid I it would I would think it a drama, and I was really surprised by that, and it really threw me. It didn't bother me as much the second time, but the first time I it really was like whoa. Well, the thing is, I I did, I sort of liked the kind of of very fourth wall breaky wry sly kind of vibe to the beginning of the series i thought that was interesting because so much of the story is so dull and so stodgy and so like stupid to be honest so i thought i thought it was 
I thought that little kind of injection of self-awareness went a long way. But I also think they tried really hard to have it both ways where they could be like, look, this is a traditional period romance, but also a really self-aware kind of satire because it didn't go far enough with all the satire for me. And because it had that, it never seemed to feel the need to tell me like, I realized the entire existence of the show is that Tom and Sophie, like, love each other, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, despite the fact that the entire first half of the series is Tom sleeping with other people while he says he loves her, which is just insane. But, like, I don't believe that. Mm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? The show didn't show me that. It told me that a whole lot. But I don't I don't believe in their relationship is part of the problem. Like, yes, they're very pretty. They look great together. They have sad moments together and it's all very tragic. But he's banging other women. Like, I don't know what she sees in him other than he has a really nice jawline at all. Um, I, I have to I have to sort of agree with this. I think my favorite moment of their relationship is when after he falls into the room and everybody is ushered back out and he gets on one knee and asks her to marry him, she says no. And yeah. I cheered. I was like, and she's know, like I was like, yes, girl, respect yourself. And, and like she was like, we're gonna wait a year. And I'm like, I know that they're not actually gonna wait a year because A, I, I know that. that in the book they that. don't actually mm-hmm. wait a year. And B, we have 15 minutes left. Um I but, had this horrible moment where I was like, oh no, are they gonna make a season two? Please don't do this. Um <laughs> I almost wish that we had gotten at least a little of that because honestly, I didn't believe in their relationship either. It seemed to me like she had this massive crush on the hot point hot boy next door and that was about it and that she should have just gotten over it because um he was just a himbo and Mm -hmm. she deserved better i mean yes i also support her not marrying that dirtbag guy either because he sucked but i just truly like it it really if the show had made fun of it more i would have been more into it as opposed to trying to split to sort of play their cosmic love bond straight which did not work for me because the show didn't sell it at all like Mm. i didn't i don't believe in it which makes the rest of the show a hard slog because i don't care if they get together in fact i think they probably shouldn't get together yeah you know the thing that really bothered me about it was that tom he's 19 or 20 i think Mm -hmm. but um at the beginning um his father is not stupendously rich, but he has money. And his father wasn't really concerned that basically Tom was just hanging around wasting time. He was doing the whole frat boy thing. And so why wasn't he pushing Tom to get into a career? He could have bought him a commission in the army, for instance. Um, and so naturally, Tom can't really concentrate on anything and he really has no future. I mean, it seemed like, you know, it starts with the beginning with Squire Allworthy is beloved by his tenants and by his servants. Um, actually, the servants laughed at him quite a lot, which I thought was sweet. Um, but it's like his life is so lovely that he doesn't really want anything to change. And so... He's an idiot. Yes, it's all about you know, keeping the status quo of Squire Allworthy being happy. And of course, once he's banished Tom, he can't be really be happy. I do love when olden times books like this always telegraph the way you're supposed to feel about a character in the oh, yeah. story mm-hmm. by giving them a name like Allworthy. Hint, hint. Just in case you didn't get that memo. <laughs> it's right there in his name. I uh, I, I do want to point out, um, and this is for me, um, one of 
the things that really struck me is that a lot the, the show also made this a lot happier than the actual book. Like mm-hmm. the one that the one that struck me is that I have Aunt no Bridget, memory of the book. Okay, so. <laughs> Aunt Bridget dies. Okay, mm-hmm. and she her Wait, who she is Aunt Bridget is 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 the sister is the sister yes. who it turns out to actually be his mother. Right, she's Which the one who because I thought he had sex with his mother, and I was freaking out. Um, he actually thinks he had sex with his mother too in the mm-hmm. book, if I remember correctly. That's one of the few things I remember. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing that I, the thing that that struck me because this is one of the things I remembered mostly from the book is that the reason that 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 Billfil, 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 the bad one, the bad one. <laughs> Yes. The reason that he gets labeled bad in the books is because Aunt Bridget dies and she gives her her deathbed confession to Squire Allworthy in a letter that Billful is supposed to bring to him. And he doesn't. Instead, he reads it. He discovers that Tom is his half brother. And he basically then starts plotting against Tom. And that's how Allworthy discovers he's a bad person. That's how Western discovers he's a bad person. And there's this whole tragic thing about how Tom will never really know his mother because Bridget is already dead by the time he finds out. The show completely changes that Mm -hmm. by having her live so that he actually gets the reunion with his mother. It also takes away Billful's like actual bad things that he's done. And so instead of yeah, being banished and going wherever the, I don't remember what happens to him other than he vaguely, get, he vaguely disappears. In this one, he ends up with Lady Belliston, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure didn't happen in the book. I'm pretty sure that she just, I also she think just ends up with is a sort of nice way of saying like boy toy. Right. Like at, Yes, right. right. Like, like that. That she basically becomes like he, she basic. He basically becomes like you know her 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 her, her live-in boy. <laughs> if we want to, if we want to keep talking about this in in reality show terms, it's Milf Manor. Ah, yes. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so honestly, though, like I'm pretty sure sh- I got tons of them, guys. I can tell you. You got a reality show that you want that's terrible. I can probably tell you what it is. Listen, I know that Jewish matchmaking exists, and that's enough for me. Oh my gosh, my friends and I are absolutely going to watch that, but we have to do the new season of Indian Matchmaker first. Okay. Anyway, point being that I'm pretty sure that the show changed that so that everybody hooked up at the end, not just like the good people, but the bad people hook up and that's their punishment, basically. And I thought that was also kind of... Like one of the reasons that that, that that Tom Jones kind of ends in this unbelievable way is that everybody ends up happy together and they all end up with money. Mm-hmm. And there's actually like a, I'm pretty sure I remember from school them them emphasizing the fact that Fielding talked about them ending up with money and that he actually like made that clear so that everybody knew it was a happy ending. Um, and I I <laughs> which I, says so much about uh, 18th century times, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Like, so the fact that we not only have everybody hook up, but we have everybody hook up, everybody gets money, even the bad guys hook up. I was like, that's a little much. Oh, I don't know. I think um, I think Bliffill's um, wasted, chewed over body is going to wash up in the Thames at some point. <laughs> um, I, I have to say... Hannah Waddington is having like a career renaissance right now. Mm-hmm. Like this I know, is... we love to see the Ted Lasso alumni network thriving. I mean, she was great in Eurovision. She was just fantastic. And then there's this, which she her costumes, her hair, her whole demeanor, everything about her is just this is this is almost as I would put this as Emmy worthy as as her performance as Rebecca. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would also say one of the I we're coming back to that. I'm coming back to the whole like the show doesn't do enough with with the fact that it's wait, I have to remember the difference here. It's race conscious casting, mm-hmm. not yes. race blind casting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because there is a conversation that Honor and Sophie have at um like at Hannah Waddingham's house <laughs> that uh that uh is about the fact that she wants her to put on a whole lot of powder. Oh mm. yes. And I thought that was so interesting. Like the all of, that they that they actually talk about that that she encourages her to do that that there is like there's a certain flavor of exoticism among that sort of social set towards her because she's black and the the show just doesn't do anything with it and i would have rather watched a lot more of that than stupid tom um mm-hmm. i also agree i also agree there's um they do they they added it in moments like mm-hmm. um there's that moment when aunt western comes and finds her and goes what happened to your hair and basically she's like well honor got left behind and the the implication is only a black woman can do my hair Mm-hmm. Because white women oh, have no idea how to... her, someone calls her dusky, right? Like there are so many like little moments, and by having her do the voiceover, it makes the show more hers, which yes. is one of the things I liked about yeah, the show yeah. is that they did that and that they chose to do that. But then they don't make the show hers because they're focusing on Tom going around getting laid. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, part of my problem with this is that the show is called Tom Jones, and I think Tom Jones sucks. Like, I don't like his character. I don't think he goes on a particularly, like, useful journey. I don't understand how he is the hero of the piece, talking about how much he loves this girl he's, you know, decided that he wants to be with, even while he's, like, in bed with multiple other women. Like, how is that? I mean, I I don't know. It's not, that's not heroic to me. That's not, like, an admirable character. Like, and also, he's hot, but he's not that hot. I can't, like, every woman is, like, literally falling in the street for this dude. And he's good-looking, but he's certainly not, like, the most good-looking man on the planet. I'm very shallow. (laughs) Yes, but, you know, the thing about Tom Jones is he's a nice guy. He can talk to women. And he's very young. But he's not overtly rapey like some of the other dudes. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, there was those wonderful moments like when he hugged Lady Belliston. She looked absolutely horrified, like, what is happening to me? Um, and that, that brought up something. Do you think she was actually falling for Tom? Or was she just being manipulative? I think she I don't I don't think she was. I don't think she's falling for Tom. I think she's just being manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that you're you you are on to something on the idea that, you know, personality goes a long way and that that's mm-hmm. why all these women are are basically falling all over themselves for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I have to agree with Lacey. If if the, if they cast Aiden Turner, I think I'd be a lot more here for this. Like I I don't know, like something about like I, I, and this is this is they this keep is, talking about him they're like oh i love bad boys but like you said he's like a human golden retriever yeah. i don't get like smoldering smoldering mistake from him which no, is i feel he's like really not that's an he's, aiden turner vibe yeah mm-hmm. and 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 this is i no, and no offense to sally mcleod who is a very nice boy and 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 was he is attractive he just is like a puppy yeah honestly he was more bad boyish in his brief time in house of the dragon being one of the lannisters 
then he is oh, wait, here. Is he the one that gets murdered? Yeah, he's Spoiler the one that gets murdered. Alert, sorry. <laughs> well, everybody gets murdered, don't they? Everybody gets murdered in Westeros. A lot of people do, yeah. It's the ones who don't get yes. murdered who stand out. He's one of yet another people. He's yet he, he's yet another Lannister that gets murdered at some point <laughs> in Westeros. <laughs> See, I thought, I thought he was, I thought he was sweet. Yeah, I think you are onto something yeah. with the like. Yeah. He actually is like he listen, like he listens, he listens to them when they talk, mm-hmm. which is sort yes. of yeah. rare. It appears. Yeah, and when he rescues Mrs. Waters, I mean, he's such a gentleman about it. I don't know if you remember. I keep the, forgetting that that's Jenny Jones for a moment. Yeah, I was like, Jenny Jones. Yeah. Um. When. <laughs> Um, there's that an amazing moment. I feel it, like I was supposed to know that well before I twigged onto yeah. it. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there was an amazing mo- moment in the Albany one where she's basically walking around topless. This is much more modest, and he takes his hat off and places it over the camera. And that was such Aww. a lovely moment. And then there was that really obscene eating scene, which they. Which they Which sort of emulated in this, but but I mean, not but, even close. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I understand it because I've seen the other one. She, I will take your word she for did it. lick her knife, but that just looks sort of dangerous, you know. Yeah, no, honestly, like this is this is definitely rated for PBS. This yes. is definitely rated for PBS yes. at nine p.m., mm-hmm. not PBS at ten p.m. Like Marie Antoinette, right? Like this is definitely like this. Yeah, they ha- had a much more disgusting scene. With uh, involving food and sex mm-hmm. on the yeah. internet, yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Really scarred me. Really, uh, I'll have to catch up on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even. It's not even like a fun scene. It's like someone's dad trying to explain something to someone about how sex works using like a pomegranate. <laughs> it's not great. Yes, right. The pomegranate. Yes. I mean, I guess. In the, I guess in these times, like if you don't have an overtly rapey vibe, then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of rapey dudes in this, so I guess Tom being the non-rapey dude. Consent, we love it. Oh, like mm-hmm. like Felimar. I love the fact that Felimar was wearing makeup and that ridiculous wig. Also, talking of ridiculous wigs, um, uh, what's his what's his face? The uh, the alleged Irish guy. Uh, just looking through my list here. Uh, f- no, it wasn't Felimar. Um, Black George. Patrick Fitzpatrick. Oh, Julian Ryan Tut. I thought he was fabulous in that, and he had that truly dreadful wig, which he put on backwards and sideways, and mm-hmm. and um, and that was sort of an inspired bit of casting because he really tends to be cast. Um, well, well, he's aging out a bit now, but he was always cast as being the cute posh boy, mm-hmm. and and um. And and I think the whole thing about him being Irish was that it was sort of an extended Irishman joke in the book, um, because he really is an idiot. Uh, Most of the people in this story, I think, are idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, speaking yeah. of speaking of Fitzpatrick and the whole Fitzpatrick uh, and Mrs. Fitzpatrick, you know, one of the things about Tom Jones that I remember mostly is that it's supposed to be everybody who Sophia meets or. Uh, uh, Sophie is basically a kind of a a parable. Mm-hmm. Everyone is supposed to basically be a warning to her of all the different paths she could take that would make her miserable. And Fitzpatrick, the Fitzpatrick story is supposed to be that she was in lust with this guy, so she raced off and married him against everybody's 
um, mm-hmm. recommendations, and now she's repenting in leisure um, mm-hmm. under his fists, basically. Mm-hmm. And that is, I, I felt like that was not really part of it. I thought her and um, Jenny Jones were going to get together in the end. That's how I was like, oh, look at that. They, well, yes, I thought they did too. I thought she was supposed to be sleeping with um with like one of the lords after like he finally leaves her. Like I got the sense that like she was supposed that, that that there was supposed to be an affair going on with one of the richer people and that's how come she basically like can leave the husband. But I couldn't mm-hmm. quite figure out like if they were just hinting at it or if I was just reading into something that wasn't actually there. Now I thought I thought they were going to be together. Yeah, same. Yeah. Like, because they had chemistry, I was into it. And also because for all that this show kept talking about, like, money and how important it was for everybody to, like, have money, everybody just got magically gifted money whenever they needed it. So mm-hmm. I'm just assuming that she got money from someone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. From Mr. Western. That was why I sort of assumed that she must be having an affair with somebody, is that's where all of her money came from. Though, you know, now that you say that, I don't think that... Oh my gosh, that scene at the wedding, I was like, yep, those are going to be gal pals. Yeah, so Harriet was um, Harriet was being paid by Lady Belliston, so Lady Belliston could have affairs in her house. Oh, okay. Oh, I missed that right. entirely. So she was pretty much financially dependent on her sister. Oh, okay. But on the other hand, why would Lady Belliston even care? I mean, there wasn't a Lord Belliston around, right. clearly, because she had her own money. Yeah, I um, I I missed that bit. Um, though actually, that does kind of make a bizarre sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can see, I, I I see that now. Like, I totally missed that though. Um, I also sort of missed the uh, the lesbian vibes there. But actually, you know, I wonder if uh, if. Do you think that that was actually queer baiting, or do you think you guys are just reading into it because there happened to be chemistry between the actresses? I don't know. I don't. I mean, the show is certainly the show is certainly not explicit about mm-hmm. it, but there is something kind of weirdly fitting about these two women have both been screwed over by this man who was trash, mm-hmm. and now they're going to choose each other and go dance at weddings together. I don't know. I just also love Tamsin Merchant. Oh, oh yes. okay. I Fair. want her to be happy. Yeah. Fair. Um. For those of you who don't know, she was Catherine Howard in The Tudors. She was great. She's been in a bunch of stuff then, since then, but that is what I always remember mm-hmm. her for. Well, the, th- the thing was, if you married a man then, he would just take all of your money. That's why Lady Belliston is so annoyed with Tom writing, well, actually Nightingale dictating a letter proposing to her because he, she thinks he's after her money and she's really outraged about it. Um. I, I mean, Sophie's money is going to go to Tom. Goodness knows what he's going to do with it. Probably develop some strange hobbies. Hopefully not gambling. Probably probably not gambling, you know, collecting horses or something. Or Yeah, I, uh, I, I wish, part of me really wishes that Sophia had chosen herself. Or Sophia mm-hmm. had just chosen herself. Mm-hmm. You know, just done that. Just done the thing and been like, you know what? No, I'm not marrying you. It's too late. I'm going to live by myself and I'm going to have a happy after ever after without you and my money. <laughs> I know. I love that Lady Belliston is like the villain of the piece or whatever, but I'm like, Lady Belliston is like living her best life. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, I understand like that. Got a big house and some great dresses mm-hmm. and 
And a dirtbag guy shows up at her door for her to sleep with until she finds another one. Like, you know, they just keep flocking to her. Um, I don't, I, I, I have to say that I know that's a modern sensibility that I'm supposed to think of her as sad that she's not with somebody and that she, she'll never know love or whatever. But honestly, like, um, I, I would be, I, I would choose Lady Belliston, be a Lady Belliston. Oh, I think, I think she's living the good life. I mean, she does exactly what she wants to do. I mean, I, I would choose that wardrobe every single yes. day of the week and twice on <laughs> that Sundays. That blue dress was insane. Oh. That's the one that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. I love the the gold mask that she has at the oh. ball. Oh, the mask scene was lovely. I mean, the, I I mean, quite honestly, a lot of the clothes were all over the place, and I got really annoyed that Tom was wearing that green and blue outfit all the time. Um, but. Um, uh, you know, the pleasure garden scene was fantastic. And I love the mm-hmm. fact that the guy tried to hit on Tom. Of course he would. Who wouldn't? I mean, everyone else has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say that one of the things that I was a little thrown by is I kept waiting for Tom to wear more yellow as mm-hmm. proof of him and her be uh, of him and, so- and, and Sophia being the couple. See, I thought she just wore a preponderance of pink. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little sad to see that she instead switches to blue at the end. That being said, I do love the fact that they are actually accurate because women wore blue to weddings mm-hmm. before Victoria. Yeah. And that is one of those things that people don't remember mm-hmm. and people forget. And that, 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 I mean, I understand why, because we all, Victoria really drove that home with all of her mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Uh, dressed them all in white, like made white a thing for brides. Mm-hmm. But before her, it was, it was blue. blue. Daphne yeah. should have worn blue in Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm very, very glad that Sophia does at least wear blue for her wedding, even if it's obviously her switching to Tom rather than Tom switching mm-hmm. to her. I also loved Sophie's clothes generally. I mean, all those wonderful chintz patterns. They were so beautiful, you know, the polished cottons and so on. And and they were just lovely. The whole show is really gorgeous. Like, it's yeah. really a clear Mm. Her yeah, her dresses are like a quilter's dream. Like yes. I could just like every single one of those just gorgeous. I could absolutely see like the I I I I I wish I could own the bolts that made those dresses. <laughs> just gorgeous. Anyway, <laughs> and it's very clear how much um how much money they spent on this. Like this yeah. this is a show they like they put some cash behind this. Yeah. Um I also just want to point out um this is not going to get a second season. No. It couldn't possibly get a certain season. <laughs> I, I feel the need to point this out partly because, like, we've had so many shows where, like, a second season is either guaranteed or assumed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really liked about this show, other than the fact that I did actually think four was the right amount, I think three would have been too short. Um, mm-hmm. Though I do think they had to pad a little to get to four. I think I preferred that over it being a little too short. Mm-hmm. It ended. Mm-hmm. And it's yes, done. Right? And there will not be a Tom Jones season two. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. No, you can have that. You can have things that are like contained. That's okay. Yes, yeah. yes absolutely. And yes, it- I, know, I, I really hate seeing something, a first season of something, thinking, uh oh, they have all these gaps that are not being resolved. This means we are destined for a second season. And a third, and a fourth, and so it goes on. Until they stop it at a place where you don't get closure. Yes, yeah. So I'm glad they had the smarts to do it this way. 
Yeah, I, I, it, I think Sanditon is a really good example here. Like, even though it did leave itself with a cliffhanger because it wanted a second season, in a lot of ways, it could have stood as a single show by itself had it never been renewed. Mm -hmm. um, with an unhappy ending, to be clear, but at least it was in its way a complete story. Mm -hmm. And what I... and. You know, getting a second and third season, I, I I'm still not sure that that was the right. I still don't know. I'm still I'm I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on this now. We'll probably be stuck on this for the rest of 2023. <laughs> Expect me to bring this back up at least twice more this year. <laughs> oh, one more other th one thing I do want to make sure that I say while we're talking about the show because I feel like I've been really negative about it, even though I think you know I think it was beautiful. I think it was fine. <laughs> it didn't blow my mind or anything, and Tom sucks. But you know who I love to see thriving is Pearl Mackey. Oh yes, wasn't she oh, great? I really loved Honor. I love Honor. I don't remember Honor being interesting in the book at all. Nope. <laughs> right. She was just the the thing about Honor in the book that is that she is kind of. Well, again, like you said, their names tell you what they are. Yeah. She is the angel on Sophia's shoulder telling her the honorable thing at all times. That, mm -hmm. is, that is her job in the book. And instead here, you know, I remember the first, the, the, the first press release we got that, that talked about Pearl Mackey being cast. It said that she was going to play Sophia's best friend, Honor. And I'm like, Honor's not her best friend. Honor mm -hmm. is her maid. Mm. And no, actually, Honor is her best friend here. Yes. And I yeah. thought that was a very interesting choice and not a bad one. Uh, mm -hmm. I know. I liked their relationship. And I liked that Honor wasn't all about Sophia all the time. Yes. Like one of the few scenes that made me actually laugh out loud was when they were running away. And Honor comes up and she has like this like stack of dresses in her hands. <laughs> and Sophie's like, no, no, I can't take all of these. And she's like, who says they're for you? Mm -hmm. And I loved mm -hmm. her from that moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing, well, there is a line that Allworthy has, which I'm sure is straight out of the book, that it's a convention that the servants get things sorted out. And one of the things actually I really loved about this, about this series was that it was very operatic in the sense that you had these sort of tropes, the operatic tropes. It was like the marriage of Figaro. You had the servants laughing at their masters, the servants being smarter than their masters, because actually Honor is smarter than Sophia. She can really see things very clearly. Mm -hmm. And um and then the the whole gathering where you have the cast of thousands at the end who will come together to celebrate and um I th I thought it was just fabulous. I just loved it so much. But I am so glad there is never going to be a second season of it because because it would all go to pieces then. And you know, it did have sort of an element of I don't know if truth is even the right word, but it wasn't like they took the book and then they made it into something else entirely. Yes, I'm looking at you, Great Expectations, or even like Bridgerton, which was. I thought Bridgerton always was a hot mess. Um, I, 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 I won't, I won't argue with you about Bridgerton being a hot mess because you are actually kind of correct on it, and mm -hmm. it's one of the things I want. I, I really hope that when we get Bridgerton season three, we can get you on the podcast that week because I do actually want you to talk about some of that. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, uh, I, I think that this is oddly true to at least the story if not the book it's true to the spirit of the times you know 
um, I think. I think that's where it really, really works. You know, if it starts reminding you of other masterpieces like The Marriage of Figaro, which was, I think, a few years later, but mm -hmm. it is what it was the artistic impulse and also the enlightenment that people could be nice to each other. And also possibly even moving into the area of people who were servants were probably smarter than their masters, which of course is why uh, Mozart got into so much trouble with the marriage of Figaro, uh, because the servants were outsmarting the aristos. And I think there was a fair amount of that in this. Um, so it was really, um, it's really the writer is poking fun at his audience, his privileged male aristocratic audience. Great stuff. I, I do also, one other thing that I wanted to point out because um, I, I had this in my notes and I almost forgot about it. This is one of the few times where I have seen a masterpiece show that has successfully deployed servants the way that Downton successfully deployed servants. One of the things mm -hmm. that we keep seeing is people trying to do the Downton upstairs, downstairs thing. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason it does, though, is that it doesn't do the thing every other show after did that after Downton did, where they tried to give them all inner lives and storylines of their mm -hmm. own. They just made them people with agency in this, and it worked fine. And that is all you need to do in a way. That's all that 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 we ever need from mm -hmm. these is to give them agency and give them like a real give them a a a a, a reason you know, mm -hmm. reasons for their actions. That's all you really need. Mm -hmm. And I I found that that I. I I wish that more shows recognized that that's the trick to making us care about downstairs. Mm -hmm. Because this is one of the few times where I have watched a show where I have actually, like, written in my notes, successfully deployed the Downton Abbey servants. <laughs> because, well, yeah, because there wasn't, like, half of an episode dedicated to one of their, like, personal romances. Yeah, I, I, like, the, um, I like the sedan chair carriers. <laughs> that was just a perfect series of little sequences where, first of all, they were laughing away because they could hear Lady Belliston having a zillion orgasms all at once. And then, they, <laughs> and then they went to sleep and then Tom comes out in the morning and they say, get a proper job, Sonny. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Yes, I, I did also like I liked the obsequious lady that runs the inn. Too. Oh yes. I thought she was great. Oh yes. Like it's a very like it it allows them to be like realized parts of the story that have things to say about the larger story going on, but it doesn't like derail that story with pointless side quests. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And oh, yeah. yes, uh, I have to say that the uh the 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 the, the uh, I think that the carriage drivers are basically my favorites too. <laughs> um they they really did, they really absolutely every time they were on screen I was giggling. Mm -hmm. Um and that that's all I remember. It wasn't even all that much. Mm -hmm. And yet, yes. for me, it was like, you guys, you did it. You made me care about the servant. Good job. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Hooray. Masterpiece finally got another one. <laughs> I also like the Miller family. And I like mm. their interactions with Partridge, too, that he was teaching the youngest daughter Latin. Mm. And 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 they were developing Latin catchphrases, and she she Latinized Tom's name into Tomicus, which I yes, was, which I thought was very very sweet. Um, and and that was a nice sort of 
it was like you have all these wacko people and these overprivileged people and these thoughtless people and then you have this sort of nice solid family there and there was one thing actually that confused me right at the end where you get that long long voice over from um from from Sophia that um she says something about Nightingale becoming a better man. Now, I know that Nightingale's role was really compressed down, but why did she even have to say that? Because I thought Nightingale was a good guy. I mean, he told Tom that he should not be having an affair with Lady Bellaston straight off. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's because of his role in getting Tom to go to jail. And not like, and not stopping that basically. Because uh. I think what we, I, I'm pretty sure that's why that line mm -hmm. is in there. But I have to agree with you. I didn't think it was necessary. Nightingale is much worse in the book, if I remember correctly. Oh, she, yeah, that's that's what I thought. He must be. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I don't remember why or what. I just mm -hmm. remember that he uh, he's not a good guy. Mm -hmm. And so when he becomes a good guy and gets money and gets married, it's one of those. And he lives happily ever to after 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 yes. two. Yes. And I felt like the 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 that that line was sort of emulating that, even though mm -hmm. I don't think it was really as necessary in this adaptation, mm -hmm. because as you said, his role is so reduced. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought I, he just came over as a nice guy, although I'm not sure whether he should have taken. Was it? I, I I always get the name names of the two daughters um, confused. I think Nancy is the eldest one. I don't think he should have taken her to a pleasure gardens because that was really um, a very dodgy place to take a date to. Because you know what people went to pleasure gardens for. Well, I I I don't, but I'm going to go with I could probably guess. I feel like again, <laughs> it's in the title. Yes, yes. <laughs> illicit sex in the bushes. Oh well, I mean. And fireworks. Could you bring blankets at least? <laughs> I mean, I, I you got those big skirts. Listen, I'm just I dirty, dirty people. Dirt is dirty. Okay. <laughs> this is this is why I you know I I have been rage gardening recently and like I I am very happy to have a a focus and outlet for like feelings and things and I get flowers out of it. But dirt is dirty. Ew. <laughs> it is. Um, and I would just ew. no people. On that note, <laughs> I think that is the real lesson from Tom Jones. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, I do. I do. Uh, I the uh, the writer for this, Gwyneth Gwyneth Hughes, is that her mm -hmm. name? Um, she actually she's the one who did Vanity Fair. Yes, and um, she's she's actually just got a new one called Mister Bates versus the Post Office with Toby Jones, and I actually am I think looking forward to that more than I might have otherwise, simply because I I in I enjoyed both Vanity Fair and this that I think mm -hmm. that a more another period piece from her would be also fun, mm -hmm. um and yeah I just I, I I wanted to throw that out there that like it's one of those shows that I'm sort of hoping and keeping an eye on because if it ends up on Masterpiece um I really want us to cover it. Which uh, which Vanity Fair was it? Uh the the one that was on Amazon in like 2017. The one with Olivia Cook. Oh yes, yes, the one with the with the carousel. Not the one with Reese Witherspoon. Right. That was no, 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 not that one. The the one that was on Amazon recently. I know because I covered it for television, so mm -hmm. it had to have been after twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Vanity Fair is interesting because it makes a much better movie or series than it is a book. Mm -hmm. And I agreed. Yeah. 
I also just love Vanity Fair because Becky Sharp is a monster. Oh, yes. Right. Um, anyway, before we talk about that, maybe we should do Vanity Fair at some point during the writer's strike when we are desperate for Mm -hmm. new content to cover. That is our show. I'm Tom Jones. If you would like to let us know how you feel about it, you can find us on social media or email us at televisions at weta.org. Janet, thank you for joining us as always. And uh, tell the people where they can find you online. Well, I'm on Twitter as Janet underscore Mulaney, and I really don't do a whole lot there, but I like to see your cat pictures. Uh, And I'm also on Facebook. I have two manifestations there. I have a writer manifestation, um, and then I have my other manifestation, which is as a human being. um, And I occasionally put up pictures of my cats in my garden. Dirt is dirty, Janet. An excellent use of social media. Hammer is really into going out on the patio now that like Greg will work out there sometimes so he can go out with him. He doesn't get to go out unsupervised. Nobody worry about that. He has to have an adult. But he does love dirt. <laughs> dirt is so dirty, great. Hammer. Dirt is dirty. <laughs> he comes back in and his fur is all gritty and I'm like, great, he's just going to go wipe that on my clothes in my closet. So that's awesome. <laughs> Um, anyway, Annie, tell the people where you are online. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle just about everywhere, including Blue Sky. Uh, you can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my fuzzy cat being fuzzy at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. And uh, currently, things I've been writing about include Yellow Jacket, Succession, HBO Max becoming just Max. Uh, yeah, like a lot of stuff. Oh, Happy Valley. And Happy Valley, that's another thing I've been writing about. So if you want to know what I wrote about today, basically follow me somewhere on social media because I am trying to remember to put my bylines at least in a couple of places each time. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter, Blue Sky, and virtually every other social media app of your choice, some of which I update and some of which I do not, but I am there uh, if you are there. Like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I too always tweet my bylines. So come check that out. Be my friend. You might get some cat pictures out of the deal. If you just want the site and the pod, we are on social media at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. If you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org, where we have news, recaps, listicles, reviews, Lord knows what else. And you can help us keep making all of it by clicking on that big red donate button up top. In doing so, you get access to PBS Passport, which is full of all kinds of exclusive and early binge opportunities this month, including, including the full seasons of Our House and Marriage, which drops at the end of May, I think. Mm-hmm well before they both come to TV and a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm forgetting right now. So do that. Enjoy that. Enjoy spring. Go outside. It's really nice here in the DC area right now. It's like the two weeks we get before it becomes swamp thing here. Uh, What do I always say here? Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Do something nice for a stranger. Get a COVID booster if you are eligible. Take allergy medicines if you need it. And please, given some of the stories I have heard lately, do not go to work if you are sick. Stay home and keep your germs there. Support the writer's strike. <laughs> Support the writer's strike. Yes, I think we said this last week, but we are still in full solidarity with the Writers Guild of America. Pay them and all the people who make the content you love. They deserve it. And that is our show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>